in your opinion, might be a little biased, but who's the fastest and some of the fastest guys on the on the team? Mm. Good one. Good one right here. I'm gonna go what? <laughs> I I give you the top five. Okay. Right. Now is this is this an order? Or are we going like <laughs> There's not no order. No order, just top five, all right? Generic, top five. Generic, top five. Hey, guys, it's Terrence Nan. You're listening to Hear the Spear, presented by No Game Day. Go Dose. Hey, what's up? This is Peter Ward, a.k.a. E-Dub, in the house. So we're listening to Hear the Spear, presented by No Game Day. Go live, go Nose. Hi, this is Charlie Ward, and you're listening to Hear the Spear, go Nose. This is Terrell Fuckley. You're listening to Hear the Spear, presented by No Game Day. No bloody. But perhaps better known as the greatest corner to ever step on a football field, Dion Primetime Sanders. The great Dion Sanders, my brother. What's going on, man? I could, I could wake up to that greedy every day, man. That was awesome. Hello, those fans. This is former Seminole Derek Brooks, and you're listening to Hear the Spear, presented to you by No Game Day. James Wilder Jr. What's going on, James? Thanks for having me on SSOD, Florida State or Die, and go Nose. William Barnon Floyd. Gentlemen, what's up? What's happening, guys? This is Logan Robinson from Here the Spirit, presented to you by NoGameDay.com. We are live on a wonderful, beautiful Wednesday evening here in Tallahassee. It is officially Miami week, and it sure does feel like it. Delu and I were at practice all throughout the week. A lot of competition, a lot of physicality. Coach Norvell fired to fired up to actually be down there in Miami this weekend after 2020 wasn't able to be down there due to COVID. So there's a fiery coach. There's a fired up team. And it's been a fun week watching them throughout practice. But we've got a special guest with us this evening. I'm super excited to have him on. Florida State now wide receiver, wide receiver, Ja'Kai Douglas, my guy. Excited to have you on. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Yeah, man. So how how's the week been? Uh, you know, we're, we're out there. We're able to see some things here and there. We only get to see Tuesday and Wednesday practices, but coach Norvell does a great job with the media and allows us to be there all throughout the morning. What has it been like for you since after Georgia tech and then going into this week and it's already Wednesday time is flying by. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, since I got back time been flying really, you know, uh, this well, is already Wednesday and now I'm looking at on now. Uh, the day, the day for to be over now. So I'm looking at it. You know, time is flying, but you know everything has been smooth. Have the have, have the practices for you turned up a notch any? Because on our end, it it's definitely yeah, it's rivalry week. But the energy has not really stopped since I'd say fall camp. Maybe you know Norvell said there had been maybe one practice where it felt a little bit off, but since then things have been on high gear. How how's it been specifically this week with Miami coming up? Has anything really been different for you guys, you think? Um I, I don't say anything been different. Uh is you know, it's a big game week, you know, but uh we go out there with the same mindset. You know, we fly around every day, you know. That's our mindset. One percent better. You did. You guys are playing on the road at Miami this year, and, and funny thing is, you know, two years ago. This is actually the game that you made your college debut in. You got a chance to make a couple catches and a couple rushes. I know you guys didn't 
cut you came up a little short that night, but you know, thinking back to that game and the atmosphere, what can you kind of take away from it as you go into this experience? Um, you know, going back, you know, to the uh, first season, you know, it was a, our first season with Coach Novell and then everything was new. The program and everybody was new to the program. And um, you know, we were just trying to get something started. And uh but we learned our lesson, you know, going down there and uh you know, last year came. It showed us. We showed that we learned our lesson from the previous year. And, uh, you know, this week is going to be a, a big week for us. And uh, we're just going to come out and you know, play, play to our best. Yeah, Nor- Norvell's been here now three years. What do you think? At least maybe just practice wise, and you see it on the game field. I mean, y'all are improving. This is an improving team under Norvell, what have you seen maybe team-wise that has gotten better to make it to where you're in these competitive battles where it's just one drive could change the game against these ranked opponents, um, and you have a battle there with Clemson. What do you think has really changed overall to you? Uh, just, you know, just the way seeing, you know, seeing everybody come in the building, you know, every day. Everybody come with a different mindset. Coach Novell did it, you know, he he's the one with the, you know, six in the morning, five thirty in the morning, he's the one up smiling. He like he brings the energy. And uh, that 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 starts the day. Yeah, I was I was gonna say, I, we were talking about in the production meeting. I'll just put it point blank, is is Mike Norvell crazy? It just feels like this guy is on high energy twenty four seven. Does he have like an automated espresso espresso machine in his office? I I don't know how the guy does it. Man, I, I I don't know either. It's just Coach Novell. We always ask him. You just say just the just the way he is. You know, you want you you wouldn't want to uh you wouldn't want to see you know see yourself uh, go up to somebody and uh you know you're not looking you looking down you know, and they and uh they might go to somebody else and be or be down too. So Coach Novell always say you know always greet greet yourself greet somebody you know and. And things where your day will be successful. Feels like the wide receivers as a whole have taken a really big step forward this season, and you know a lot of big plays. And some of that credit can go to Jordan as well. But you guys have been making fantastic plays downfield. How how do you think that improvement has really come about? Is it with the transfers coming in more more competition? Why do you think that there's been such a big step for, forward in production so far this year? Yeah, you with uh you know with the new guys that came in, you know the guys that stay here, you know we all we all as a team as a one, but we all competing, you know uh you know we all competing for you know a position on this uh on the field, even though even though we you know even though we close, but uh but we know that like this this is a job for us. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, yeah, y'all brought in a lot of transfers and you, get, you got a guy with Johnny Wilson, Micah Pittman making plays. You also do span too, who's developing. And I think is going to have, he's going to have a, he's going to have a good career. Dude's going to be, yeah. <laughs> he, he's just the, the physical nature of him. I mean, we're just lucky enough to see it in practice and you get to see little flashes here and there on the game field, but in practice, man, the speed and that you're a guy I know Dustin's got a question a few about speed but I feel like with you on your end and you seeing Deuce fly like that man that's got to be exciting about the future with with number five 
It is. He, he can fly. You can't forget your boy, uh, you know, Winston. Yeah, uh, Winston. That's my guy, too, yeah. Yeah, that, that's the thing. I, I, I Do what, say that again? I, yeah, I just can't wait to see Winston out there. I think I think you and a lot of the Florida State fan base too. I mean, what he did at West Virginia was special in that speed. But what, what did you think too? Would you see in Johnny Wilson, Michael Pittman, their impact in that wide receiver room? Now you're back into that rotation, which just adds in a lot more explosiveness into this offense from Mike Norvell and Coach Atkins. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on you know Johnny Wilson having the season he has, and then Michael Pittman not only just at the wide receiver position, but at punt return? Man, it, it's been nice to watch. Yeah, you know. Those guys are, are different, you know. Mm-hmm. They come with it on game day. Come, they come with it, even on practice day. They come with it. That's what I feel like. They that's that's what they are different at, you know. They 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 are hundred percent at practice. They like if they I know with them. You know, I see it like every day with like drop balls or like stuff like that. You know, they are always harder on themselves, and I see it, that's why they so different. And uh, and they bring a you know uh, a challenge into this receiver room, to which would make us you know to you see us succeeding and other things like that. Another guy who's been different this year is Jordan Travis. Feels like he's taken a really big step forward as far as throwing the ball and you know over 300 yards against Boston College, 396 yards in the air last week. And you've really been here during this whole this three year ascension. For him, so from 2020 to, to 2021 to now, what have you seen from Jordan as far as him uh, as far as him improving, and and how big of a step forward in leadership of the team has he taken during the time period that you've been here? Oh yeah, Jordan is yeah, that's that guy <laughs> right there. He like since I since I've been here, like he was confident, you know, he was confident in himself, but uh, but now. Like into this season, going into this season, man, he's been, you know, the guy. I feel like, well, he is the guy in my eyes. But uh, he's he's very confident. Like he he's making those throws that that you that I didn't see. Like and he's more confident. Like he he feel confident in us in the receiver room too. That's you know that goes back to us. You know, off season running routes with him. You know, getting on this timing, you know, and uh, those things that helped out. You know, he he feel confident in the in the running backs too. Yeah, have you seen him emerge more as a leader too? Because I know he's not the most vocal guy on the team, or I might be just not knowing what the heck I'm talking about. But it doesn't seem like he's the most vocal guy in the room. I think he's admitted that a few times in some interviews. What have you seen him emerge as a leader? And I think it's more play on the field than anything. And just him staying out there taking hits like he does, I think it impacts the team overall. Yeah, wait, say it again. Like uh, so, so like when Jordan is out there on the field and persevering and taking those taking those shots, you know, and then we see him turn into a big leader this season. Have you have you seen a change in that with was his leadership overall? Oh yeah, um, like last weekend with that big hit he took. Um, when he would let uh, led the block, I was like, "That was like this. That's our quarterback, and like he just did that, and uh, you know, like he just popped right up. Like, oh yeah, I was like, okay, we know that you know he's confident. He running behind his pads, and you know, like he wants it all. Like he he wants it all. We got to hear from Lawrence uh, earlier today, and he talked about that fumble 
down at the goal line that you guys had against Georgia Tech. What does it mean to see Jordan? I mean, the rest of the, the offense as well, but to have your starting quarterback chasing down that guy, you know, a 90 yard run or whatever, and then making that tackle to see him do, to see him of all people doing that. What, what does it mean? Oh, it means a lot. He, it, what I, what I see in Jordan, he's, he's just not doing it for himself. You know, he's doing it for the team, really. Uh, doing it for the program. He want he want this program to succeed. He want this program to be successful, and I, that's why I see Jordan doing. And then yeah. we seen it on film. I know you're good. <laughs> He's good. My my bad. Oh, yeah. No, you're good. No, you're good. Hey, it's it's a podcast. We're we're chilling over here. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, you know, we do just watching film, and um. Uh, we we pointed out that play. That was the first play we pointed out. Like DK Metcalf. That's like we all say. DK Metcalf. And we I said he fast, but I said I'm saying he probably hit twenty four miles per hour. Cause he went hawking down and uh and I and I applaud Jordan for that. Cause I feel like if that was like another quarterback, I don't think they would have caught him. Yeah. I gotta ask, what is that uh jersey in the background? Where where's oh. that jersey from? Right there, yeah. Yeah, this is my uh my high school jersey. I got, oh, yeah. Yeah, I got uh, my home man away jersey. Um, oh, hell yeah. I'm supporting my uh, home team. I like it. I like it. Yeah, I was going to ask. You went from 22 over to zero. Does zero have any kind of significance to you? Because it just came out. I know you and Fabo are both rocking it over there. But did the zero come from any significance? Um, Nah, I was – this is, a, this is a crazy story. Um, my senior year in high school, uh, I have a picture of it. Uh, we had, like, a media day, and everybody, like, all the top players from each school came down in this one area in Louisiana, and we took a picture. And I wanted to wear zero, and my coach got the number zero. And, like, we was, go- we was going for it, and uh, we was – and uh, they were just saying – and w- when we got to the media day, they told me that I couldn't wear it. Like, I was like – Wanted to wear zero. It was something different, and I seen that nobody in high school wore it, and then uh, I couldn't wear it. But uh, I got a chance to wear one. Got a chance to take that home. But uh, my after that senior year, I got here. That's when they changed the rule that you could wear zero. And I was like, yeah, I got to get that zero. Mm-hmm. And uh, Coach Duvall gave it to me. Thank you. Uh, I'm right. <laughs> Now it feels like the perfect time to talk about speed because, you know, we were just talking about Jordan chasing that guy down. And in high school, you clocked a personal best 11.07 second, 100 meter dash. Uh, so you've got a lot of speed. And we hear Coach Norvell during the special teams period every day, like during kickoff and punt, just screaming speed. So in your opinion, you might be a little biased, but who's the fastest and some of the fastest guys on the on the team? Mm. Good one. Good one right here. I'm going to go with what? <laughs> I, I give you the top five. Okay. Right. Now, is this is this an order? Are we going like <laughs> – There's not no – No order, just no top order. five. All right, generic, top five. Generic, top five. Pokey. Pokey with – you got to get him. Mm-hmm. Bass. Uh, Deuce. Deuce fan. Slide. Um <laughs> Me, mm-hmm. 
I see. Got to. You got. You know I got it. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, King. 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 Akeem Dink. Yeah. Oh, Dan. Akeem's got the speed? Yes. Uh, I, I seen it. Like, yeah, he, he, he's fast. Uh, and I'm, I'm trying to see who else. Who would y'all, who would y'all say? I'm trying to... I would Jordan. say maybe Trey. Trey Benson. Trey, Trey, yeah, Trey, Trey are different. Trey is like, he, he, uh, I don't, Trey is from somewhere else. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I'm, I'm missing somebody in my head. I'm um, trying to, I feel like I'm missing somebody here. Probably. Well, Jay Trav, I, I put Jay Trav in there. I feel like he's out of nowhere. He's got the speed, and some guys are faster without the pads on too. That's the thing, right? If you've played ball before, a few of us on here have. You know, there's a there's a pad speed, and then there's no pad speed. But some people, some guys move quicker with pads on. I don't know how they do it, but yeah, I, I don't know. Uh-uh. So everyone wants to be in the top five. Who's in the bottom five? <laughs> yeah, who's in the who's in the bottom five? <laughs> Hey now, be honest. Any any no, it could be or who do you think overall? Over overall team wise. <laughs> I do I I sorry, I gotta go with uh Big Coop. That one <laughs> now you see him racing Norvell during the practice. Yeah, he and I see it. He said he's gonna beat him one time. And I'm I said I'm I'm, I'm watching. I'm waiting for that one time. He said he gonna. Put, he said he gonna do it every day. So every day. Norvell right. wins most of those. Yeah, by a wide margin. He does. There's a few of the youngsters trying to battle with him, but Cuba's gotten close. Whenever Dante yeah. Anderson or, or someone else is pulling on Norvell, giving yeah. him the head start, he's gotten close. He has gotten close. Um, outside of football, okay, let's go to Tallahassee a little bit. You've been here for a while. You know the area pretty well. We always like to ask our guests this, definitely players currently on the team. What is your favorite food spot to hit on a night? Leola. Leola. Now, what, what does that include? What are we, what are we getting there? Um, seafood. I'm from Louisiana. I got it, you know. My main dish has to be seafood, and they got everything: shrimp and grits, uh, catfish, uh, crab legs. They got from there like anything you can name, really. Or I, I, I go Kusha's too. Kusha got some good seafood too. I know I tried it a couple of times. They good. Um, Walk-ons too, maybe. So just all the Cajun places, basically. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I like it. Go ahead, D. Lou. I was gonna say, you know, uh, I know you get to work with Coach Johnson and Coach Dugans, but you know, Coach Dugans, being a former player at Florida State, a guy who's played in this rivalry, has, has he upped the intensity a little bit this week? Oh uh, yeah, Kodu Dugan, baby. <laughs> Oh my God! Yeah, he he talks. You know, he's been waiting for this week ever since. You know, the season started. 
And, uh, you know, Kodug just coming with a different mindset. You know, he see, he, you know, he see, he's seeing us take that next step and, uh, he, he's loving it, and uh, and uh, I applaud Coach Dude, no for all the things he's been doing for us up, up on this point, and uh, he's been doing his job. Yeah, you've kind of you're 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 a hybrid guy, and now specifically at wide receiver. But what was it like being behind also David Johnson too, who's been rather successful coach here at Florida State, and he's got a loaded backfield and hopeful fingers crossed that he see Trayshawn Ward out there this upcoming Saturday night against Miami. But what are your thoughts, you know, playing behind David Johnson? Oh, yeah, Coach Jack, uh, another native. He's from Louisiana. You know, we have a, a a bond that, you know, I feel like that, you know, no other person have on this team, you know, uh, with, with on the field and off the field. But, uh, you know, in, the, in his room, I could just go, I could relate to him, you know. Uh, we, we meet. And uh, he he asked me if I need anything, you know, need help with anything. And uh, he just, you know, he helps me out uh, on the field and off the field. Uh, you know, he, he's he's been supporting me, you know, since I've been here. And uh, thank you. I like the uh, yeah, Coach Jack for that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes he's out there with the cleats on, too. I see that at practices sometimes. He's trying to get out there and get some moves on. I don't know. Sometimes oh, he's wearing cleats. Coach- yeah, Coach, I got a little couple moves or a little something. <laughs> yeah. Probably the perfect time for this question. But, you know, during your high school recruitment, you committed to Florida State whenever Willie Taggart was still the head coach, and you elected to follow through with that once Norvell took over. So just – and, you know, I'm, I'm assuming part of it has to do with Coach Johnson, but why did you decide to stick with Florida State and, and Mike Norvell? Just – you know, uh, I prayed. That's that's one thing I did. You know, I like to thank God. I prayed, and um, Coach Devell. When I went up there, um, I going into my sophomore year of high school. When I went up there for the America camp, you know, Coach Devell sat me down a one on one meeting. So like, it's, it's rare. I, I felt like that was rare because like I never was getting recruited that young. But a one on one meeting, he kept it real with me, and I knew him from that day. And I knew, and I, since he got the job, I stayed committed. Then Coach Jack came, and I knew that, you know, staying here was going to be like home. Going to this team overall, I know the fans always like, you know, wonder, are wondering this. Who in the locker room has been a leader? Or maybe who has emerged, but who, who has been a leader for this team? There could be multiple out there. And we see vocal guys out there, too, on the field. But who's been a leader to y'all the most this season? The most, um, Jordan, Fabo, I, I feel like those two, you know, uh, Dylan, Dylan Gibbons, I feel like, you know, those guys have been, you know, leaders, you know, you know more, vo- well, more, more vocal leaders, you know. Since Fabo, you know, been out, he's still been a lead, like, you know, still been on the side leading, you know, leading the defense and leading the team, you know. You know, with the little things like with the, you know, our locker room, make sure our locker room clean, you know, make sure you that on time on treatment, you know, those things. You know, all them, you know, those three, they make sure they there and uh, they make sure that we there. Seems like the team is, is getting healthy at the right time. You know, you're back, CJ Campbell's back. We talked about Fabian, he's back. 
Mario Gaynor's getting back into form after an early season injury. Um, seems like Darius and Robert Scott are, are as healthy as they've been in a while. So just going into this final four game stretch, you know, hopefully you guys are going to make it to a bowl game as well. Having all these guys back, how much will that help finishing the season on a strong note? Uh, it's it's going to help a lot. You know, you know, seeing seeing what we could do now out there without you know without those guys. Um, you know, I think, you know, adding those guys, I think it's going to be, we're going to shoot straight up. I feel like, you know, I, I don't feel like, but I know, you know, they coming in and practice, bringing their energy. You know, then that's the energy we've been needing. You know, they, they've been uplifting the team on, you know, doing their injuries. They've been uplifting the team uh, and they coming back in and uh, they bring the same energy. I'm here to ask the serious questions. Always for the fans too, Shakai. First off, what do you think about those white helmets? Because to be honest, in those photo shoots, they look they look clean. They look clean. But what are your thoughts on those white helmets that unveiled <laughs> this season? Uh, I, I like them. I love them. It's like it's it's, I, it's something different. As you know, it's something different. You know, Coach Novell, uh, he he brought something different. I like how we could change the face man as you go from white to to garnet. That's that's something. That's what I like. That's that's clean. Did he did he surprise you with those? How did those get shown to you guys? Because I know they were doing photo shoots with them with recruits last year. Did y'all get like a sneak peek at them, or was it just like us looking on social media and being like, "Oh, hello"? Uh, you um, I know the recruits had them. The recruits taking pictures. They were telling us that it wasn't a you know uh, it wasn't a go. You know, was it approved? But uh, they surprised us when the, the Louisville game. And I was like, oh, the white? The all white? Oh, my God. Nah, that's different. Nah. Yeah. And then I, I got to ask, too, what do you think is the best uniform combination? It doesn't have to be one that you've already worn or that you haven't worn yet. If you could pick one, you, you pick, but if you've already won it, feel free to, to tell us. But what do you think is the cleanest uniform combination that Florida State can rock? Um, white jerseys, garnet pants. Got to go with the white top. Mm, okay. I like it. And yeah. what color cleats are we wearing, though, with that? Mm. That's, that's, the, that's the hard part. At the, I feel like at the end, man. And you you have to go with all white or the you know garnet. Yeah, it's tricky. It's definitely yeah. tricky. What you what you think? Like, what's your your, your combo? Man, what you like? Man, I, I've been waiting for it. I, I want an all black and I want the gold lids. I, I like I like a I would like an all black and and gold lids uh, kind of action there. And but it's got to be a night game though. It's not gonna look good during the day. It needs right. to be. A night game for that one, but I'm I'm waiting on it. I'm waiting on it. Yeah, I'm I'm waiting on it too. <laughs> it's been a couple weeks since you got back from that injury that you suffered in the uh, the preseason. You've been able to catch touchdowns now in back to back games. I remember whenever we got to talk to you out on the practice fields a, a week or, or two weeks ago. You know, you said this was the longest that you'd been away from football since you started playing. So. I guess missing time due to injury, does that help you cherish more whenever you're able to be back out there? Because it does seem like 
you know, at this point, maybe guys are just kind of getting used to practice, not going through the motions or anything, but you're going out there with just a smile on your face and we'll see you make a big catch and you let out a, a scream. So just being back out there, do you appreciate it a little bit more after the injury? Yeah, I do. Like, you know, it's, I was out for half of the season. That's like six games I missed. You know, I since I've been out, I just I just been sitting there just thinking. And uh I knew that like when I got on soon as I get soon as I got back, I have to, you know, be on point. I gotta be, you know, beat up. I gotta be at the right spot. And I feel like that uh, you know, that 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 helped me. And uh being on point and uh, you know, being on point and then is is helping me uh you know, going throughout the season. Going into this game and the, the rivalry, obviously, it's going to be a stadium that's going to be filled with fans, hopefully hopefully so, down there in Miami. But nonetheless, they're, they're going to come out for this one for sure. Uh, going back to last season, you had a big-time catch, and you had it from Jay Trav. It was, it was a big-time big time catcher that led y'all with the drive to get down there. And then you also see Jordan Travis connect with Andrew Parchment to the famous fourth and 14, you know, tell us about that catch, that drive, maybe be on the sideline before that. What was kind of feeling from J Trav offense as a whole? Uh, going back, I can remember, you know, going out there, you know, we knew we had to make a play. You know, Jay Trav and Huddle, you know, not calm, cool, calm, you know, collective, ready to go out there, you know, make a play. And, uh, you know, we went out there. You know, all the coaches, you know, they knew that we was going to go make a play. And uh, Coach Jack called it. Coach Jack told me, put me to the side, said, you're going to go out there and uh, make a play. So we got a chance to go out there, uh, called the play. Got a chance to run a route, ran past the well. It was a, being the dude was a little equal, a little even. Then I seen the ball at the last minute, put my hands out, you know, got a chance to catch the ball, ran down, and, you know, you know, ran down the field, and then and I was like, we we're going to go down and score, and uh, I said, oh my god, like Coach Jack just just called this, just told me that I was going to make a play, you know, then. Doing out the series, we, you know, we was, you know, making our a little key things that put us back throughout the drive that that put us to this four to fourteen, and uh, Andrew Parchment, you know, four to fourteen, George Travis found him open, gave him the ball that could put us on the one yard line to us uh, to give us a chance to win the game. You're muted, buddy. Uh, muted over here. How about that crowd too? Just going wild. I can imagine through the helmet too, hearing that. Oh yeah, it was. Oh, the, the crowd. Nah, it was. It was like quiet. Like the ball was in there. I did. You could hear a pin drop. That's how. That's how. That's how quiet it was. Then when I caught it, and drums like they felt like my drums bust. That's how you know. I died no. I ain't I like I ain't no dope could get that loud. This is like my first like actual like live game, like live, live game. Like it's it's stuff like the uh first game uh, last season, Notre Dame. 
but Miami, a big game, big rival game. Yeah, one of the loudest game right there. I don't think any of us are ever going to know what it feels like to make a 60-yard catch against Notre Dame or a 59-yard catch against Miami. So when you're out there and, and you're making one of those big plays in a big-time game, you know, what's going through your mind afterwards or how are you feeling? Oh, yeah, I'm feeling that. I know. I just mean I, when it comes to my mind, I just know like, oh, I, the ball just came to my hands. I know I just made a play. Now I just next play, like I, you know, you get the moment. You get the moment for a couple seconds. Mm-hmm. You know, like what should I do? Like should I look at them? Should I celebrate? <laughs> uh, but uh, it's like you know, a couple seconds. You know, uh, it's a it's a moment, and then they'll just come back and you know it's the next play because you with this you know with this team this offense that's that's some you know it's some fast coming yeah and my last question for the night really do appreciate you hanging out with us now for 30 minutes jakai uh you know minervell's been very successful and he's showing that with having playmakers like you out there and y'all have been extra explosive this season and it's been it's been fun to watch but, you know, going into this game and going against Miami, what are you looking at? What on film ha- has stood out to you where you've got to perform at, at your best to to go against the Hurricanes this upcoming weekend? Another primetime game for you guys, too. Another one. Uh, all late-nighters this year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, you know, Miami is just a great team. You know, they fly. They defense. They, you know, they fly around. Uh, they secondary, they fly around, you know, but it's just like we got to come, it comes down to the little things with us, you know, being able to, you know, get those third downs, you know, convert on those third downs, you know, uh, I guess, say today, you know, we, we focus more on it, um, catching balls, you know, making sure those balls, make sure we catch those balls on third downs, you know, to keep the drive going on to where we ain't got to punt them the ball, you know, we can go keep the drive, go down and score, you know, give our defense some time on the side. d you got one more? That's that's it for me. Okay. All right, perfect. Then, hey, Ja'Kai, we see you at practice, but it's fun to see you on here afterwards. Get some rest, man. Trust me. And to everybody commenting and watching, too, these guys, it is non-freaking-stop at practice. So get some rest, dude. Appreciate you spending some time with us yeah. outside of your busy day with school, practice, film, God knows what else. So appreciate you, my man, coming on here. Uh, stay healthy, and hopefully we'll see you out there, uh, obviously, Saturday, and see you back at practice next week, my man. Yep. Yeah. Thanks. No problem. Thank you. Thanks and good luck this weekend. Thank you. That was a great, great, great interview there from Ja'Kai. I've been looking forward to having him on for a while. He's a guy that's a – you talk about playmaker, what Mike Norvell is trying to recruit onto this team and and the future there. Ja'Kai Douglas is one of those, and Mike Norvell likes giving him shots and and giving tries to him. And A great interview there from, from Douglas. Yeah, perfect time with him coming back from that injury. And, you know, he's made a really big, big impact in Florida State's last two games. And this is a guy who's made a big play against Miami in the past that set up a, a Florida State victory. So perfect weekend or a perfect week 
to get Jakai on uh, ahead of a big game against Miami. Yep, I know. I'm excited. VZ, are you excited? It's Miami Wake week, up. my guy. I'm awake. Trust me, I'm awake. Do you have Trust- any questions for Jakai that you didn't get in? Well, I was gonna I was gonna ask the food question and then Logan took it from me. Oh, that was oh. gonna be his that yeah. was gonna be what he was gonna use just to cut out of nowhere. This is what he that would I was planning on. The only thing that he asks is the food thing, <sighs> and then he's back to muted. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh my took my thunder. Gracious. Unreal. I know, I know. Well, everybody hanging out with us, we are got we got quite a bit of a show left. We're gonna talk practice observations. There's been a few position switches that we'll see if they turn into being concrete but we'll talk about that then we'll go into a miami preview we'll give our score predictions that and then vz is going to give his take on the baba miller situation with that suspension going down a lot of florida state fans not happy at all right now on the the, the season opener monday too that's right it's coming it's coming quicker than ever this time of year is very busy as always you can listen to podcasts on itunes google play spotify we record every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. We also download it and send it off to iTunes and all those other platforms so you guys can listen to the audio version whenever you're traveling, in the car, working out, whatever. So appreciate everybody hanging out with us this evening. Let's jump into things, gentlemen. Uh, let, let's jump into some practice observations. We don't have a ton on the docket because we had a really nice interview there with Jakai. So let, let's jump into some observations from practice. I thought you know we were out there Tuesday, Wednesday, Jordan Travis – had a little bit of a slower start on Tuesday, just maybe for a series. And then after that, man, looked like he did against Georgia Tech and looked really sharp. I thought him, and then you also, we'll get into a talk here with Treshawn Ward. I'm going to be hoping that he'll be available. It seems like it's heading that direction where you'll see number eight out there on Saturday night against Miami. But both of those guys I thought might have been highlights uh on tuesday uh, jordan travis looked good and that's exactly what you want to see continuing continuing that nice response like he had against georgia tech yeah jordan travis uh, a pretty good practice on tuesday you know there were some up and down moments early on today but that was also coupled with a little bit of pressure that the offensive line you know some some blocks missed there but as things went on i thought jordan had a pretty solid day on wednesday as well and you know it seems like the wide receivers for the most part have been locked in and you know it's been up and down at times but I think that's because the team has brought a lot of intensity there's been a lot of physicality and that's forced some miscues on both sides at times and it's going to be fun to see how it plays out on Saturday night but I definitely think the they're focused and, and ready to go and I feel like they're they're having a little bit more more fun than maybe a couple weeks ago during that three game losing streak it's nice to get a victory back under your belt, especially ahead of a, a rivalry game against uh, – we'll talk about Miami. Yeah, we most definitely will. A lot, a lot of competition, man. Like, that, that just has not stopped. Ja'Kai was yeah. confirming that with us, man. That just does not stop whatsoever. And you're seeing Johnny Wilson lay out for balls. Like, hey, a little bit just... of pushing and shoving this week at times. That's, that's how it goes. You want, the, you want the fire ahead of a game like this. Absolutely, absolutely do. I mean – you know, we we both played ball. I mean, you, when you're at this point in the season, man, we are in friggin' November. I'm tired of wearing pads. I'm tired out there running around and stuff like that. I don't want to do interviews afterwards. Like I'm, I'm worn out. So I don't uh, think anyone interviewed you after practice. So no, no, they didn't. They didn't. Thank you for noting that in there, Dilu. No, nobody was trying to interview me. But if they were, you know, I'd have been like, nah, get away from me. I can't do it. Mm-hmm. Too good, too good for you. I don't have enough time for you. But uh, yeah, a lot of competitive battles. 
all throughout. But Treshawn Ward, man, I thought he looked great on Tuesday. And you're seeing a guy that he's your starting running back. I know Trey Benson, he he's stepped up and he can do his thing. Then you look at Lawrence Toa Philly, too, and what he was able to do on Saturday against Georgia Tech. But when you get Treshawn Ward back out there, he, ha- he has the best eyes in that running back room, in my opinion. He's elusive, and he can get you down the field, and he finds holes where there might not be holes at, at some point. So I- it was good to see Treshawn Ward out there. And like I said earlier, Mike Norvell feels pretty optimistic that they'll be having number eight out on the field on a primetime matchup with Miami. Yeah, not, o- not only that, Mike Norvell today said that something negative would have to happen for Treshawn Ward not to play on Saturday night. Lawrence Tofilly said he's happy to have the the three-headed monster back together along with Trey Benson there. And that's why I talked with Ja'Kai about getting healthy at the perfect time because, you know, Ja'Kai just got back recently and he can contribute at, at receiver or running back. Now you probably have uh, Treshawn Ward back. You got C.J. Campbell back. I mean, man, the depth in that backfield, it was already pretty crazy whenever those guys were out, but – you know, you've got six, seven guys that could realistically play in that running back room at, at any given time if someone goes down. And it's not like the rushing game struggled without Ward. I mean, they were able right. to put up six yards of carry against Clemson, you know, over five and a half last week against Georgia Tech. Now you're adding the best back in the room back on the field. It can only go up. It's a stacked room. It is a stacked room with a lot of talent. We got to see Rodney Hill, too, score a touchdown on Saturday. Great to see him out there. I mean, you also look at C.J. Campbell. I mean, I think that's who I was meaning to talk about, C.J. Campbell, uh, having his comeback. You know, you've got a huge room right now that, you know, looking ahead to Miami, Florida State can take advantage here because they can rely on that. And, you know, Florida State's offensive line was making some major holes against Georgia Tech. I know Georgia Tech isn't they're, – they're a decent defense, but not a great opponent. But still, Florida State was opening up some big-time holes for it. Look – it, you know, Toa Philly didn't have to do much, and he's gotten so much better to jumping straight to the hole. It's, it's just been a whole almost 180 for him and just the physicality that he's running with to where, you know, I feel better about him being in the backfield. I, you know, I still think his biggest threat is pass catching um, and giving and putting him into space. But I, I just liked what I saw against Georgia Tech with him just straight up and running down the field. And that's something we probably weren't expecting much of going into the season. Just goes to show what Coach Yak has been able to do and to develop him. Mm-hmm. And and along with that, with Ward out, Trey Benson seeing increased carries, and you're just seeing this guy break tackles, still among, if not the the leader in the country with broken tackles right now, despite his limited carries i mean it, it's really something when this guy's shaking off two three four defenders and then turning it into a first down run but just to go back real quick logan rodney hill did not score on saturday he did play but cj Kemp that's why I, that's why i fixed myself on the final drive. I didn't thank you, you for i know because you were going back to check for me just to make sure that yeah we would show on here but i did correct myself right vz i said oh no maybe cj campbell did well that's maybe although so, vz didn't watch the game a, so made it a I, i'm rasping the wrong person Oh, oh, you did? Uh, I didn't I, know if it was busy. Saturdays are busy at the store. It, it was, so I watched it today on my day off. True, true. Uh, let's go into today's practice, man. Uh, Daniel Lyons, dude. Not that it's going to play a factor in this upcoming weekend, but he is getting better and better. I think it was the week practice of Clemson where you just started seeing 95, man, and Odell Hagan's. Usually he's calling out a few guys and, you know, having some hard coaching, but he hasn't had to say a whole ton with Daniel Lyons, Florida State's true freshman defensive tackle. And today, 
dominating. Dominating. He had four reps and one-on-ones. Always like to spend some time over there. It's always fun. A little physicality outside of watching the seven-on-sevens on the other side of the field. But watching him go against Estes, winning three reps. And now Estes is one of the strongest players on the team. Also has a lot more experience at the college level than Lions. And then going against starting center Marie Smith and what he did. It was, it was like, hello. Hello in the whole defensive line room going over there and, and celebrating with him and, you know, and Odell Higgins, you know, tapping him on the helmet, you know, just seeing Daniel Lyons, dude, seeing him emerge like this has been great. And we'll see a lot of him. I think shoot can see him. Hopefully if these score predictions are what we're thinking could see him later, later in the game uh, this, this weekend, but more so uh, after Syracuse against ULM, Daniel Lyons, a name to watch out for. His development has been huge, you know, flying a little bit under the radar just because of how stacked FSU is at defensive tackle. And, you know, Fabian Lovett has come back recently. But, Logan, you can probably remember the quote better than me. Lovett uh, spoke to the media today, and he said that Lions has been the most impressive uh, true freshman defensive lineman this season. And I think, you know, it's a credit to Lions putting in the work. It's a credit to what Odell does and NJP. But whenever it – this unit, like the self-accountability that they have, I, I think it might be as good as any position unit on the team. Because after these reps of one-on-ones, you've got players pulling each other aside and talking about certain moves and and just like discussing, you know, what they did on this rep. And, hey, if you would have done this, maybe this would have happened. So, and, you know, it's Jared Verse, it's Fabian, it's, it's Robert Cooper, it's Patrick Payton, a redshirt freshman at times. And I just think it shows, you know, no one's afraid to step up and, and be vocal and put their stamp on things. And it, it does a lot. You know, the coaches have talked about it. Whenever the players turn into the ones that are holding each other accountable, that's when they know the culture is paying off and it's paying off in that defensive line room. Yeah. The, the trenches, I was talking with Tommy from Tomahawk nation and we were just sitting there just looking at this room overall, the offensive line and defensive line, the trenches, the, the, the future is certainly bright and them going at it. And now you're seeing Jalen Early emerge, a yep. guy that had to have had to have some good coaching from Coach Atkins. And Coach Atkins keeps it very, very real. Some things that we cannot video record <laughs> during some of the drills. Don't think we should post some of it, but he keeps it really real. I mean, he's a football coach, and that's why these guys came to Florida State to be coached by Coach Atkins and be developed um, to hopefully have a career outside of the college ball scene. So watch a Jalen early come up. You see Kaniya Charlton. He's a guy that isn't on the scout team. Uh, Jalen early now also not on the scout team and Julian Armella, you know, who, you know, a guy I've been high on since, since his arrival, Uh, you know, not also on the scout team. Coach Atkins is starting to develop these guys, but uh, it was nice to see Daniel Lyons specifically at the defensive tackle position, having some really, really impressive reps. Uh, let's go to a few more things just to note before we move on. A few position changes. These aren't uh, official or anything of that nature, but something that we observed during practice this week. One that maybe isn't too much of a shocker here, D. Lou, but seeing Woody, Antavius Woody, true freshman offensive lineman listed right now, getting some burn at the defensive tackle position. I saw that on Tuesday and I was like, whoa, hold up now. And I personally like him wherever. I do think He's got the physical tenacity to really 
I don't know, put it on on the defensive <laughs> side. I don't know really how to say it. He's just put you uh, on your physical. Back. Yeah, yeah, in the nice way of saying it. He's just got that kind of football mentality that you like having on the team. But we got to see a little, a couple signs of him uh, more so today too, with having a really nice rep against Kaniya Charlton, another true freshman offensive lineman. But kind of testing the waters, maybe a tiny little bit there with Ontavius Woody, who played both sides in high school. We'll see, you know, um, reach out to a Florida State spokesperson and there hasn't been any official updates to position changes for, for Woody or, you know, who we'll get into in a couple minutes, Sam Sam McCall. And I did notice Woody actually wearing the same number on scout team as Miami's Leonard Taylor. So this could just be a week-to-week thing where Florida State's having him emulate a an upcoming defensive tackle who is also a very physical player and someone that can get up there and plug up offensive lines. So Woody, a true freshman, mind you, but might be a nice, nice uh, prospect to emulate Taylor as far as Florida State's players on the scout team. But we'll see how it goes. This is a guy who played both ways in high school. He certainly made some progress since he's been here at FSU and, you know, realistically we'll see how the numbers work out, but it wouldn't surprise me if they're also maybe evaluating a position change because this is a guy who's talented enough to play on either side of the ball. And that was something that we talked about during his recruitment, you know, maybe he starts at offensive line, but eventually he makes that change over to the defensive side of the ball. It was kind of let Florida state get him on campus and, and have him signed and then figure it out once he's here. And I think that's the luxury of a player with Woody's skill set. Yep. He's a dynamic guy and can play both sides. So we'll see if that continues going into next week on the practice fields. And then another guy, Sam McCall, Florida state's highest rated recruit coming into the class started at that corner position when we were going through uh, spring, got to see him there also alongside with Azra Thomas. And then this week got to see, or at least today specifically got to see him, at the safety position. We'll see if that changes or anything. It's very, very early on, but you know, a guy too who stayed on the defensive side, but played at that safety position, Florida State trying him out the corner position to start off his career um, early on. But you know, we'll, we'll see how this goes. But Sam McCall, a dynamic athlete, and you know, we'll see what ends up happening with it. We'll see. This is, you know, he played a lot of safety in high school leading up to his time at Florida State. I think maybe some were surprised whenever he was placed at corner out of the gate, but he's he's had his ups and downs at the position. Definitely a guy with the potential to be a defensive starter at Florida State and an impact player. Uh, could just be getting some cross-training at safety with his dynamic skill set. And you've got to think, depending on how this season goes, Akeem Dent, Jamie Robinson could both make the leap to the NFL, you've got McCleary on back there, who is set to graduate after this season, and that really just leaves you with Shaheem Brown as you're one of the only experienced safeties on the roster. So maybe just preparing a little bit for the future as well. But yeah, definitely some changes that we'll monitor, but nothing official at this time from Florida State. No, might have caught him before they could get it official. Let's just be honest here. You know, well, I just got to put it out there to uh, protect my ass so protect <laughs> your ass <laughs> i promise you no one's after your ass let's go and make sure that's clear mm-hmm. uh i think that wraps up anything from practice observations you want to mention or any interviews from this week that stand um, out to you 
I would just say maybe watch out for Ontario Wilson this weekend because we know this is a guy who likes to show up in big games, obviously made some huge catches for Florida State earlier this season to secure that victory over um, LSU. But he had a really nice week of practice, a couple routes today where he absolutely broke away from a couple of defensive backs. So, and we heard your guy talk about it, Pokey, top five in speed. You're going to need some speed against the Hurricanes because they've got plenty of guys from Florida and, and South Florida on their roster as well that, that are athletic. Um, so, yeah, watch out for Pokey because he just had a different different energy to him this week, and that's what you want to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Let's jump into this preview, gentlemen. Let's, Let's get jump after into it, baby. Cedric Baxter officially visiting Florida State. Whoa, 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 whoa. Got some recruiting. See, now we don't share the same docket anymore. So now as being a moderator, you know, no calm, you know, go, go, go right ahead though. We'll, we'll, we'll fix this going into next week, everybody. Sorry for that little interruption there. But uh, before we get to our Miami preview that everybody is salivating for, D. Lou, go ahead and give us some Cedric Baxter news. A crucial recruiting target, probably the top target left on, on Florida State's board in the 2023 class. Four-star running back Cedric Baxter, Texas commit. FSU was able to get him on campus for an official visit this past week and his second trip to Tallahassee in three weeks. And they're really building some momentum here. Uh, he was on campus from Friday, came back Sunday for a little bit for an interview or not an interview, a meeting with Norvell and some goodbyes before he and his family departed from Tallahassee. But by all accounts, Florida State, they feel better about this recruitment than they did going into the official visit. Feel like maybe they've made some ground up here on Texas. And I think there's still some things that FSU is going to have to do to eventually pull this off and We'll see what happens, but right now it really feels like this is an FSU and Texas battle. Baxter talked a little bit. He's got three official visits remaining. He's not too sure yet if he's going to end up taking them, but a guy who's a top 50 prospect on most recruiting sites and a top five running back, I would I would imagine he's going to use those free trips down the line. So it would be huge for FSU to get him back in Tallahassee once again. Four State's coaching staff probably going to get an in-home visit as well, and they're doing what they can to secure this flip. Cedric Baxter in attendance for the Clemson game. He was in attendance for the Georgia Tech game. So he's gotten to see two performances where Florida State really ran the ball extremely well and also played a lot of running backs. You know, maybe it's a little coincidental that true freshman Rodney Hill and then also C.J. Campbell were able to get into the lineup this weekend with Baxter in the stands. But, you know, following his visit, we've got a full interview up on NoelGameDay.com. But one quote that really stood out, he said, they've done what I wanted to see playing-wise, meeting the coaches, and everything everything I wanted to see they did. A lot of people say it's a business business decision, and I just got to do what's best for me. So Baxter Jr., he's got a lot to think about coming out of this official, official visit to Florida State, and we'll continue to monitor this one. But it would be a huge flip for FSU to get a former commit back in the class, pairing with Samuel Singleton, and we're all seeing what Norvell can do with running backs and some of these guys have been walk-ons or three stars and not that the star ranking even matters, but Samuel Singleton and, and Cedric Baxter are two extremely highly regarded running backs. And, and they would be at least when you look at recruiting rankings, the, the highest ranked running back recruits that Norvell has signed to this point in Tallahassee. 
someone that was working on recruiting him, not only the coaching staff and Coach Yak. Hakeem Williams was also here this past week, and we saw him down on the sideline. And he's turned into a recruiter, and you know, he was decked out in Florida State gear. Said yep. he was excited about being in Tallahassee again. You actually got to talk to him after the game and over the weekend. What What are your thoughts on on the visit there? What was he telling you, and also him recruiting after a few guys? Yeah, I think the I think with Baxter Jr. like Hakeem is definitely putting out there that Florida State wants him, but he's also not pushing too hard and kind of letting Baxter Jr. make the decision for himself. And then another guy he's recruiting. You know, one of the purposes of this unofficial trip up to Georgia Tech, Hakeem Williams actually joined on the trip by three-star athlete Edwin Joseph, who Florida State is recruiting as a defensive back, a cornerback at the next level. So Joseph and Hakeem actually shuttled up a luxury shuttle or bus up to Tallahassee for the weekend to, to visit FSU, to watch the Georgia Tech game. And then they came back on Sunday for a little bit to spend some time with the coaching staff. So Hakeem Williams, at this point, you know, he's been committed to Florida State for four or five weeks or so back since uh, late September. He's really starting to develop into a bell cow for this 2023 class. And I, I asked him point blank, or point blank, I was like, is this something that you wanted to do? Or is this something that Florida State has asked you to do as far as recruiting other players? And he said, that's just me. That's just my personality. And it says a lot that he's trying to bring other good players. And, and we've talked about it before. Stars want to play with stars. So Cedric Baxter, Edwin Joseph, they're taking, they're definitely taking a little bit of notice to having one of the top receivers, a five-star prospect, along with FSU's coaching staff, pushing for them to come to Tallahassee. So, and also Hakeem scheduled to officially visit Florida State as of right now for the matchup with Florida later this month and he says that he doesn't have any trips set up to other schools as of now Miami Alabama Texas A&M still reaching out trying to get him on campus but to this point Williams has relented and if that changes we we should be one of the first people to know but as of now Hiking Williams no plans to visit any other schools except for Florida State Mm. something that we weren't expecting too much of after at least going into the commitment him picking Florida state and, you know, hearing okay, might go visit a few places. And that's kind of always been the theme a little bit to now where that's kind of not saying that it won't happen, but for it to be now solely focused a little bit on Florida state here more than anything. And yes, still maybe listening to a few other schools, but no visits planned as of right now is big. And the one visit that he has planned is later on in the month to Florida. So uh, whenever the Gators come into town and Billy Napier. So uh, it's huge. Uh, a I positive, mean, positive thing to me if you're an yeah. FSU fan. And the way the guy interacts, at least out there with the coaching staff and whenever you've got some of the players around it, you know, he acts like he's already basically on the team and he's talking to certain guys on FSU's roster, like going up against them in practice one day. So, yeah, you know, like you said, whenever Williams made that original commitment, to Florida State, he did kind of make it seem like he would potentially visit Alabama and Texas A&M later in the season. But right now, he's saying that that's not the case. Um, we'll see if it changes over the next couple of weeks. You know, that early signing period is coming up and schools are going to be pushing harder than ever to try and get him on campus to see if they're able to make a potential flip. Uh, we'll, we'll see if he continues to relent. Big news there. Good stuff. Good scoopage there. Anything else recruiting wise? I would just say watch out for Edwin Joseph, you know, with this push from 
Hakeem and Florida State also turning the heat up there. I know they've got a couple defensive backs already in the class, but Joseph, uh, probably a true cornerback at the next level. And he's also had a really standout senior season for Chaminade Madonna, one of the top programs down there in South Florida who's won two state championships in the last two years and could be pushing for another one this year. So this guy at three-star right now, and I know people like to to stargaze. Um, Again, I point to FSU's running back room. But this guy, a three-star right now with this type of senior season that he's putting on, he's definitely <clears throat> going to jump into a four-star on the majority of recruiting sites. And it would be another nice pickup for Florida State. The cornerbacks um, have struggled at times this year, starters, and when FSU goes into its depth. So just continuing to add bodies there that, that you can develop is going to be huge for FSU's defensive backfield moving forward. Yeah, Florida State. They do what they do, definitely in the defensive backfield and recruiting. So talent kind of just comes their way and those visits come. So uh, we'll continue to watch that recruitment there. Well, gentlemen, has a time come now to our first true rivalry game to preview on the season? This is well, actually, oh my god, I'm kidding. I was about to say, you better break some news or something, man. You better break something for me. Oh, my goodness. Uh, but come on now. I want to get my promo in, man. I'm, All right. I'm sorry. On. I'm this sorry. Is my, this is dang it. Dang restart. Dang. This restart. is what I want my future to be. I just want to be like on the back end of things, just announcing the biggest events ever. Maybe restart. Olympics. All right. Calm down. Super Bowl. I mean, I, that's what I'm calm working down. for. Easy. That's what I'm working for. Let's jump into it, guys. Florida State's going to be taking on Mario Cristobal in his first year as head coach of the Miami Hurricane. This is going to be going on primetime ABC ESPN. Mike Norvell in attendance for the first time down there in Coral Gables as Florida State head coach. Didn't get to see the field at all because of COVID in 2020. Had to stay at home. I couldn't even imagine just his I imagine him hearing that and saying, you're not going to be able to go down there with your team. I just couldn't, as Mike Norvell and seeing him as a coach, uh, probably wasn't a fun time, but now he gets to go down there. Uh, a, a fired up team too uh, with Florida State right now, at least watching them throughout the week. This team looks excited to get down there and, and play against the Hurricanes. First thoughts going into this one, at least for me, and you guys can give y'alls, but Right now, I'm keeping an eye on the Miami Hurricanes quarterback situation because all throughout the week, we've been hearing Mario Cristobal saying that he's going to mess around with three quarterbacks and prepare for them going into this game. Uh, you've got Garcia and then, you know, Tyler Van Dyker, your two, those two guys are your prominent ones. You saw Garcia last weekend play. Tyler Van Dyke dealing with injury. Mario Cristobal saying that, you know, they feel good that he's getting out there doing some things but you know from what i've heard earlier i don't feel too optimistic that tyler van dyke will be out there on the field saturday we'll see if that changes everything could change but that quarterback situation is situated situation is something i'm keeping an eye on definitely looking back at last year where florida state was able to get to that backfield quite a bit and cause some havoc if you look back at what jermaine johnson was able to do and put on an absolute highlight reel that sent him into the league, man. Florida State was dominant there. And looking back now, or looking to Miami's offensive line right now, not much changes, let's be honest. I think the quarterback situation is the first thing that you have to look at, especially now with Florida State, this being the second opponent in a row where there have been some real quarterback question marks 
leading up to Saturday. And in particular, when you look at the numbers for Miami, uh, it's, it's a massive drop off without Van Dyke in the lineup. So if he is unable to play on Saturday night, that definitely changes things in an extreme way for Miami's offense because, you know, he's completed 64. The thing that stood out to me when I was doing some research is it just seems like Van Dyke really gets the ball out faster than Jake Garcia or Ja'Cory Brown, Brown, true freshman. Van Dyke has thrown 237 pass attempts this season. He's been sacked 12 times, whereas Garcia is 78 pass attempts, so basically a third or, or so of Van Dyke's attempts, and he's been sacked eight times already. So it seems like the other quarterbacks have a, propen- a propensity to hold on to the ball a little bit longer for whatever reason. And, you know, Van Dyke, I kind of – I talked him up a little bit, I felt like, in the preseason. Hasn't been as good as I thought. But he started to find a little bit of a rhythm there before that injury. Back-to-back 350-plus yard games. I know Miami lost one of them to North Carolina where he had – I think it was it was 490 maybe, a, a really ridiculous game from, from Van Dyke. But he started to find a little bit of a rhythm – before the injury, if he if he can't play, Miami didn't even score a touchdown last week against Virginia, and I think FSU would whoop Virginia on uh, away away from home. I, I don't think Virginia's very good this season, so no. a, a really big loss for Miami if that's yeah, the case. Both Miami or sorry, both Florida State and Virginia have similar defenses. If you look at the analytics and the grades on Pro Football Focus, they compare very similar. So if Miami couldn't score a touchdown against Virginia. Maybe tough sledding if they don't have Van Dyke in this game. No, I think it's going to be they're in deep doo doo. They're in deep doo doo of Tyler Van Dyke's out there. And I think Miami fans, they right now, here's the deal. This is where they're at. You know, they went silent for about a month, went silent definitely after the Duke loss, went silent. Then they get their win there against Virginia. Don't score a touchdown whatsoever. Don't score a touchdown. But now it is Florida State, Miami week. They got their win. They're back alive. They're in the comments. They're on Twitter. They're 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 acting like you know it's always their Super Bowl for sure for Miami fans. That's nothing new. But if you don't have Tyler Van Dyke out there, I'm sorry. This isn't going to be close. And you know, I, I might change my score prediction after what what I was hearing earlier tonight because I was still expecting you know Tyler Van Dyke to be out there. And from what I was told, you can't really trust what Mario Cristobal is saying because there's been six, seven, eight players injured. Miami, some guys that won't see the field at all this season where a lot of the beat members know this and Mario Cristobal is saying other things. So there's not not a lot of trust in what Mario Cristobal is saying to the media. Uh, but yeah, if Tyler Van Dyke's not out there. They're in, they're in deep shit. I'm looking at Florida State's defensive, defensive line too and Fabian Lovett going into his second consecutive game back. Getting healthy at the right time. It's not a good sign, and I can go and tell you too. There's there's a lot of worrisome too about Jared Verse. There not not a lot of, at least from the the media side from Miami is doesn't want to have another Jermaine Johnson type of game, and they don't know how they're kind of kind of combat this with Miami's running backs. So you look at their running backs; they, they got to find someone to block and help off the side. And those are some undersized guys going off. If they're going to go against your adverse, even if it's McLendon, definitely Pat Payton, who's who, who's had uh, an emergence this season, as we expected with the, the growth during the spring, like, you know, they got to find help there to block and Miami's running back room. Isn't going to help there that much. Yeah. The offensive line has been plagued by some injuries and, and poor play as well. You know, we talked about, 
the 21 sacks that Miami's allowed this season, 16 turnovers on the offensive side of the ball as well. And, and really it seems like the key, whenever Miami loses a game, it's because they really struggle running the ball on offense. And they also have a negative turnover ratio in all of their losses. So in their four wins, 184 yards on the ground per game. And that number drops to just 81 point or just 81 yards whenever they lose. So Florida state been a little bit up and down as far as stuffing the run this season, but with love it back um, and some of the other guys, you know, we'll see if Jared Jackson's able to get in to this game. He suited up last week, but didn't end up playing a snap. And he's a guy that's been dealing with some stuff recently. So we'll see if both of those guys are able to get in and make an impact. Fabian love it. 25 snaps last week, uh, the most among any, interior defensive lineman and and I would assume that you expect his role to increase a little bit against Miami to to play even more. You're out you're mute. I'm seeing if VZ say anything. No, no, he's not. Just keep no. talking. <laughs> Didn't need to. I mean because love it's that good where you don't need to say anything. Oh no. Damn. And yeah at least, at least that much better than the depth behind him. Like we like the depth behind Love It, but Love is just a difference maker with, with the blocks he's able to be and his ability to get the backfield. He's just such a difference maker, and they're going to need him in this game. Yeah, no, they definitely are for sure. Uh, I, and, you know, outside of Fabian, Robert Cooper, I'd say <laughs> Joshua Farmer, man, I, I've really liked him. I mean, he kind of causes havoc. I mean, he gets back there quickly. You got Malcolm Ray, too. We'll see if Jared Jackson's able to get in there, but I, I like Farmer right behind there, too, just to get some burn. I'd I just don't think it's going to be fair on in the trenches, and I, I really don't. I, it's like last year; I was expecting a little bit better play there, and Miami was able to kind of make some changes to be able to hold for for Tyler Van Dyke. But after a while, it's just too much of Jermaine Johnson, and so we'll we'll see if Jared Verse and and what he wants to do for his first true rivalry game, which we've heard throughout an interview that we talked about before he even stepped foot on campus and then all throughout the start of his career at Florida state, he is very excited about having a rivalry like this and being on primetime television. I'm expecting for that guy, number five on defense to be ready to go. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it's just hard to predict with one of these games. doesn't really matter. Uh, I think someone said it's Norvell today, but the record kind of gets thrown out the window when it's, it's Florida state versus Miami. Cause Better Florida State teams have lost to worse Miami teams and, and vice versa. You just really never know what you're going to get in this rivalry. And, I mean, even last year, Miami came into the game on on a little bit of, of a hot streak, and Van Dyke was playing some very good football at the time. And then Florida State jumps out to a 17 to nothing lead. Miami responds and takes the lead in the fourth quarter with a Jalen Knight and touchdown run. He ran, over, he ran over a defensive back in the middle of the field and then ran to the end zone. It was like, wow. Well, Miami came back, and, and this one's over. And then you've got the Ja'Kai catch, um, the fourth and 14. Jordan Travis getting in the end zone with, with less than 30 seconds left. So this is a game where if one team gets ahead early, I don't think it's necessarily over. There's a lot of um, a lot of emotions in this game, and, I mean, it can really change at the drop of a hat. So this is one where Norvell's talked about in the past. He doesn't think Florida State's putting together a full four quarters at time. This is a game where I think you need to do that and, and – shut the lights out on Miami early if you can. Yeah, because we've seen Miami quit a few times this season. They quit against Middle Tennessee State. You could argue they quit against Duke after they had, what was it, eight turnovers 
So it's a team that if you jump on them and beat them up early, there's there's a chance they just may quit on the game and, and try and get on the next one. But the energy is going to be high. It, it always is in Florida State-Miami games. It doesn't matter how bad the teams are. They want to beat the crap out of each other. Um, and we'll see what happens in this game. Even as confident as I think all three of us are, anything can happen in a game like this. One thing that Florida State's going to have to do is clean up penalties. And they had way too many, way too many mental errors against Georgia Tech. I think they'll clean it up, but you just can't have that against Miami this upcoming weekend. They even give them a chance. Nonetheless, just make those silly errors where you're having to call two timeouts against Georgia Tech there on one drive. That, you know, that early two in the game. Minor Val not happy about it. Jordan Travis, too, talked about it, saying, you know, that's some things that we've just got to fix and can't happen and they don't want to moving forward. But, you know, you don't want to make those silly errors to where you're able to give Miami field position, help them out in any way, shape, or form. Because on the field, statistically, everything play-wise, Florida State should win this game. But ways of ruining that is giving the ball over. And Florida State has done that mainly against the ranked teams. They did that, and that put them in a position where they just can't go back and beat a good team like that. With Miami, just take care of the ball, and things should be pretty seamless for you throughout the game. I understand it's a rival rivalry, but I'm seeing a trajectory. I'm seeing Florida State rising with improvement and Miami falling down, and it's Mario Cristobal's first year. I guess I'll give him that, but just being realistic, one's upwards, one's downwards, and if I'm going from last year – I, 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 I'm trying to find ways to where Miami can make this competitive going into the fourth quarter. I, I think, I think Florida state's defense has to be a little bit better taking the ball away, generating turnovers. Yep. Um, they haven't been that great with it this year and it's allowing some teams to stand some games longer than they should have. Like Georgia tech forced two turnovers and Florida state didn't force any against a really bad Georgia tech offense. I think that's going to have to change this Miami game. I and mean, if you just look at what Miami has done this year, you know, in games where they have one or less turnover, they're four and one, and then they're zero and three in every other game. You're going to have to generate some turnovers in this game. Um, just get that Miami offense out of rhythm. F- find ways to change the game. Yeah, and it, I mean, frankly, that's been something that Florida State has really struggled to do. And in the few opportunities where they have had a chance to generate some turnovers, you know, we saw last week against Georgia Tech, receiver fell down, ball hits Renardo Green directly in the chest, and. It, it could have been a pick six, but instead that ball winds up on the ground. And, I mean, that that is one thing I've noticed in practice this week. The defense may be still struggling a little bit to finish um, on these turnovers. Kevin Knowles with two dropped interceptions today. And, I mean, whenever, whenever any DB drops a pass or any defender drops a pass, you know, you've got Norvell running over there and Coach Fuller and just talking about how big of an opportunity that could have been if you make the play in the moment and we'll see if Florida state is able to make some of those plays against Miami. Cause thinking back to last year, um, Van Dyke had come in and, and Miami had been taking care of the ball pretty well. And then you were able to force two interceptions. You had the, the turnover on downs at the end of the game. This is a very emotionally charged rivalry. And I, and I think maybe the defense steps up in this one. And especially if Van Dyke's not able to play that limits a lot of what Miami's able to do on offense. And I feels like, give you an even better chance to potentially generate a turnover. But going back to what Logan said earlier about penalties, I feel like that's one of the ways that Miami could potentially stick around because they're just not a heavily penalized team on the season. Whereas Florida state for one reason or the other has been trending in the opposite direction ever since that Boston college game at the end of September, where they had 70 or 80 penalty yards. It, it didn't seem like a problem at the time, but in the last 
three out of the last four games for Florida State. 96 penalty yards against Wake Forest, a loss. 100 penalty yards against North Carolina State, a loss. Surprisingly, they had less than 20 penalty yards against Clemson, so that's kind of an, an anomaly here. And then last week, you have 104 penalty yards against Georgia Tech, and I will say there were some pretty pathetic calls in that game, such as the offensive pass interference on Johnny Wilson. But regardless, the penalties have been racking up for Florida State as well, and you know they just need to get back to focusing on the little things, the fundament, the fundamentals, and holding in because some of these pre-snap penalties and and things like that, it, it's just not really acceptable at this point of the season, and you can't make those type of mistakes to give the other team a chance in these crucial games. And to your point about Miami not being a heavily heavily penalized team, if you take out the Virginia Tech game where for some reason they had 17 penalties, they're only averaging about five penalties a game. It's not a team that's very heavily penalized. That's one thing Chris Ball has done very well. Um, Florida State can't allow them to be way out penalized. Florida State can't have five, six more penalties than Miami in this game. you got to keep cooler heads in this game for sure. Mm -hmm. What are some matchups you guys are specifically going to be watching on Saturday night for Florida State against Miami. I think there's a few that stand out to me. What are some that, you know, Florida State can take advantage of or some where Miami could take advantage of? If I'm thinking some that maybe Miami could do, and if Tyler Van Dyke's out there, no matter even – I think kind of depends on who's going to be out there. But whichever quarterback, they're going to have to throw the ball, in my opinion. You know, Florida State, I think, is going to do a good job of stopping the run. But if Miami's going to – take advantage here you know they, they can try to go after Florida State's defensive backs and mainly the corner position you know, I think Renardo Green that's your that's your CB1 but outside of that you know you're kind of shuffling in between Jerry and Jones and now you've got Marion Cooper you're kind of it's, that's definitely your weakness there uh, on the defense right now for Florida State and that's probably a spot where Mario Cristobal and Miami's offensive game plan is going to go towards if they're going to try to uh, be in this game. I don't disagree because when you look at Miami, you've got six foot five wide receiver Colby Young, who, who's been having some impressive performances as of late. And they were just able to recently get Xavier Restrepo back in the lineup. So Miami's receivers are feeling pretty good right now. And I'm, I'm looking at Florida State's offensive line against Miami's defensive line. You know, there's been some struggles there. At times, and we're not quite certain on the status of right tackle Jazz and Turnatine coming into this when Norvell said they were going to see how things went throughout the week of, of with Jazden and, you know, Robert Scott, Darius Washington have been banged up at times throughout the season. So I'm just interested to see them going against, which looks like a pretty decent Miami defensive line. We talked about Leonard Taylor. They've also got Akeem Mesador, who's leading the team with five sacks. Um, Jafari, Jafari Harvey over at the other defensive end spot. And maybe a familiar name to some Florida State fans, Darrell Jackson, who Florida State actually recruited out of high school. He signed with Tennessee, um, entered the, or I'm sorry, went to Maryland, tra- entered the transfer portal this past offseason. Florida State actually had him on campus at one point for an unofficial visit and was just kind of gauging things there. And then he ends up at Miami. And funny thing about Jackson, he and Joshua Farmer actually – high school teammates. So a little familiarity for those two guys uh, coming into this game. And yeah, you know, it should be a good matchup with Florida State's offensive line of, against Miami's defensive line. I'm interested to see how it plays out. Yeah. I was, I was going to similar the vein with Florida State's running backs against that defensive line in Miami, Florida State's averaging well over five yards of carry on the season. They've only had one game where they've been below four yards per carry. 
and that was the LSU game. And then you flip it to the Miami side, it's the exact opposite. They've only had one game where they've allowed teams to go over four yards to carry, uh, and that was Duke, who averaged four and a half. So I think that's going to be an interesting battle, seeing how that D-line does against these really talented running backs. And we've talked about how deep this running back room is and how talented they are. If Florida State can get that running game going, there's no reason they shouldn't control this game. Yeah, and I mean, you would think, you know, Florida State, 206 yards on the ground against Clemson. So they've proven that they can run the ball against uh, good defenses. But then Miami, averaging, averaging over three sacks and over seven tackles per loss per game. So this is a team not only with the defensive line, but also the linebackers, Corey Flagg, leading the team with, with 41 tackles and 9.5 tackles for loss. They're opportunistic, and they try and – one thing that they are good at is putting teams a little bit behind the chains with these sacks, with these tackles for loss, forcing them into to third and mediums, third and longs. That That's one way that Miami could get into this ballgame. And, and Florida State's one of those teams, we've seen them this season, where if they're not in those third and three, third and four scenarios, they kind of struggle a little bit on offense to get, to get the rhythm going. Mm-hmm. Ready to drop some score predictions, gentlemen. If there's anything else, feel free to mention – I'm feeling ready. Actually, <laughs> basketball? basketball? No. After. No, no, no. Let yeah, me be depressed would, after. Yeah. I would say percent. so. The thing you guys know, Lou Headley, Miami's punter. I mean, it feels like he's been there forever. All he's the tattoos. Yeah, he's still there. I was looking it up. It says he's been there since 2018, but I feel like it's been. I feel like it's been since Jimbo that. was there. So I feel like since Jimbo was at in Tallahassee, he's been there. That's like the vintage punter from down under. I'm pretty sure he's like 28 or 29 years old, too. So an Jesus. interesting story. That's crazy. He's got like two doctorates the, by now. The, the Chris Winky of punters? Did say two daughters? Two doctorates, not oh. two daughters. No, I mean. <laughs> it's Miami. Damn. Whoa. What do you say about people in Miami? Isn't, isn't your wife from Miami? Yeah, it's from uh, well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So where are your daughters at, buddy? Where are your daughters at? Um, <laughs> not happening soon. After a Celtics championship, though, we got to watch out, Easy. Something might be happening that night. You know what I mean? Yeah, what well, ain't happening? Kid so. might be. <laughs> I mean, gotta worry about it. He's <laughs> uh, a green, yes. Uh, but yeah, Florida State primetime matchup as usual. Coming into Miami, Langerville on the sideline for this one. Primetime, 8 p.m., baby. Another long night ahead for us. We'll do an instant reaction right afterwards. I think it's my turn to go first on yes, the week. New order. We love it. We love it. I'm glad because I'm not going to take much time for you guys whatsoever. Uh, I, I've kept this score in my head for a while now after probably that Duke game. That kind of just told me enough. And then seeing Florida State battle through those ranked teams and being so close, one possession games at the end. Uh, you know, it kind of taught me enough. And then Florida State beating teams that they should beat. They did that against Boston College. They did get did that against Georgia Tech, even with the sloppy start, all the penalties. I think a lot of those things will be corrected going into this game. This team plays good, plays well, and really competes on primetime television. Magnavell has done a good job of that this season. This team will be prepared. They're going to be ready to rock. Florida State's really healthy. They're going to be putting out one of the healthiest uh, squads since the LSU game, practically. Uh, you got a second game of Fabian Lovett being back. Everything's just adding up. Jared first gets another week uh, of being healthier and getting better. It it just adds up to where Florida State takes care of this one. I got Florida State 31, Miami 17. And uh, I'm honestly, if Tyler Van Dyke's 
not out there, I, I would seriously drop it to 31 to seven, but I, I actually don't know how they're going to get 17 points. Uh, give me, nah, I'm, I'm going to stay with it. It's been in my mind all week long. So 31, 17 Florida state, Florida state takes care of business and Mike Norvell starts his winning streak against the hurricanes. Who's up next? Who's up after me? I'll I'll take it. I think it's VZ. I'll take it. Go right Um, ahead, VZ. And drop your score predictions in the chat, too. Sorry. Drop your score predictions in the chat so we can see them. It's one of those games that, especially if Tyler Van Dyke doesn't play, which I don't think we're expecting him to, that Florida State should dominate. But at the same time, it's a rivalry. Um, And anything can happen. Literally anything can happen. It could be 80 to 75. It could be 76. I don't know about that. (laughs) It what could did be he just say? Did he say a basketball score? Yeah, I did. <laughs> um, Monday. Like, just wait till Monday, Beasy. Just wait till Monday. It's, listen, man, I need something. All right. Um, I think Florida State's going to handle this, hopefully. You know, I was thinking along the lines of 38-13, especially if Tyler Van Dyke doesn't play. If he does play and he's able to get the things going that he can do, I'm thinking more of like a 31-21 kind of game. But the offense is really going to score if Jake Garcia is their quarterback. I only think they get a touchdown because Florida State is going to have some stupid turnover and they get the ball at like the 22. Mm-hmm. Kind of nailed it, nailed it on what the, was the score. What was it? So if Tyler Van Dyke doesn't play 38-13, if okay. he does play like 31-21. Okay. Gotcha. Got I was going to do the same kind of thing of – Van Dyke prediction, which I was going to say 31 to 21, and then a non Van Dyke prediction, and then I was going to say 34 to 10, just because I feel like there's a very significant drop off if he's not available in the lineup. And, you know, as, as poor as Florida State maybe played sometimes last week, I think you can take some, op- <clears throat> some optimism out of turning the ball over twice, one of those being at the three yard line, um, and also not converting once on fourth down and then also be like, Hey, the offense put up nearly 650 total yards and basically three possessions and then the other team getting the ball. So there's a lot of positives to take away. I think they've got to clean up some penalties. I am interested to see if maybe the defensive backfield can get into a little bit more of a rhythm. There've been just too many miscommunications at times for my liking, but at the same time, Miami just not a good program right now and like you said Austin anything can change in a rivalry but I feel like this is a game Florida State comes in focused and they handle business so 31-21 if Van Dyke is available 34-10 to if he's not available and Florida State two straight wins in the rivalry and most importantly they'd be bowl eligible for the first time in a few years we'd have another month of covering this team baby more clicks more shows more entertaining shows where it's not just basketball and more practices that, that 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 is That's right. Most that, important, that, honestly. Now 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 you know, you know Norval likes to do these things early in the morning. So you know we'll get maybe like a week. We probably just get like four day break and then we're back at it. I'll be honest, but I honestly give me another month to be able to cover a team. I'm all here for it. So it'd be biological. My biggest question though, we haven't answered. Haven't brought this up yet. Uh, at what quarter or what score will it be before Miami fans start throwing trash onto the field? Feel like this is zero zero <laughs> before they're the already game. Be throwing, they're already, already, well, maybe when the FSC runs out on the field, maybe yeah, that's what I'm saying. Before the game, you know, as soon as Jordan Travis walks out there, oh, yeah, yeah, all, all 15 fans quarter. are gonna get their water balls out, throw them out there. Yep, 
to happen. Didn't they throw us trash last or two years ago? I'm pretty yeah, sure they I did. I don't know. Probably. Aren't, there, aren't their uniforms made of trash? It's fitting. Oh, damn. The trash is already going to be out on the field. Yeah. Tom's saying eight minutes left in the third quarter is when the trash will be thrown onto the field. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with that third quarter, too. I think there's going to be one big play there, and Florida State takes care of it. That ends it. They're leaving the stands type of deal. I, I, I seriously – my gut is just feeling good. I, we all picked Florida State to beat Miami, right? This preseason. Uh, I don't think I did. Wow. Uh-oh. I I can't remember. I know I flipped with. I know I did. I split with Miami and Florida, so I'm not sure. I have Michael's, to go back and look. And I, I know I did. Oh, uh, I'm over, taking the over on this. Over under three fights in the stands. Over. <laughs> Over <laughs> three fights for kickoff. I set it at Especially, fifteen. Set it at fifteen. We'll have a conversation. This game isn't until seven thirty. I mean, there's going to be people yeah. engaging all day and and certain activities. So I'm I'm sure they'll be in a great mindset whenever they <laughs> whenever they enter the certain, stadium. Certain activities. Certain activities. <laughs> certain Miami gracious. activities. Yeah, there's a certain things that you do down there. There is definitely some fun things that you do down there in Coral Gables. Um, but yeah, those are my serious questions. I had to get I had to figure that out at the end. Uh, yeah, definitely fair, definitely fair questions. Uh, let's jump into some basketball real quick to end end off the show. Before you leave, guys, though, make sure you hit that like button. <laughs> hit the like hit the like button before we get into basketball. Everybody, it's gonna drop. It's gonna drop twenty five. I'm just trying to be a good, smart. <laughs> host here and be like before you leave hit the like button they got the score picture but hit the like button before you leave or hang out with us and give and listen to vz's take on baba miller which is really good i think he'll keep it more pg than nope a few others have whoa no whoa sh- oh snap so you might want to stay for it put the uh, on this one yeah uh can i just start us off and then you go into it baba miller uh big time player coming into florida state this upcoming season have you know a lot relying on him coming into this season for Leonard Hamilton playmaker 16 games is that right easy 16 games yep. 16 game suspension rattles Florida State's season ahead for sure to losing a playmaker like that VZ it's all yours thoughts on the Baba Miller suspension I don't know where to start honestly um you can Look to Dick Vitale. You can look at Jeff Goodman. You can look at whoever in the college basketball world. They all have the same same opinion. This is complete bullshit. Like, this kid who has had no idea of NCAA rules and regulations. You know, he's born and raised in Spain, played for Real Madrid, didn't even think about college basketball until two years ago when he decided to go to this camp in Texas. Someone pays for his flights and hotels. We don't know who. It's no one associated with Florida State because Florida State wasn't recruiting him at the time. He goes to this camp to get exposure, get better. You know, everything you want. He he, he wants people to recognize him. He wants that college lifestyle because that's where he thinks he has the best chance to play in the NBA. Fast forward two years. He doesn't move to the United States until end of August little over two months ago. And in that time frame, the NCAA has decided, yeah, we should suspend. This is news. 
The NCAA wanted to suspend him for the entire season, not just 16 games. They wanted him suspended the entire season. Florida State fought it, got it down to 16 games. Where they got this from, absolutely no idea. That $3,000 was completely paid back once the family found out it could be against the rules. Completely paid back. And again, this is a family that's had no idea what to do with NCAA rules and regulations. They are not educated on this stuff. They don't have people over there informing him, hey, this is exactly what you should be doing to stay in line if you want to play college basketball. So he gets to the United States, gets suspended for what they think is going to be the entire season. They get it down to half the season. Why is it even half the season? We can go back three years to another player, Florida State, very heavily recruited and got pretty close to landing in James Wiseman, the number one overall recruit in the 2019 class. Penny Hardaway paid for him to move from Nashville to Memphis. Granted, this is while Penny was a high school coach, but he paid $11,000 for this kid to move to Memphis. Penny becomes a coach at Memphis. Wiseman signs with Memphis. Wiseman gets suspended 12 games. What in the absolute, you know what, are we doing? There's, There's no consistency. If this is the hill the NCAA wants to die on, be my damn guest. Because at this point, everyone thinks you're a joke. Nobody's taking you seriously, and you don't have any authority anymore. In this in this era of, you know, players are getting millions of dollars to play college athletics. We're losing our mind over $3,000 that got paid back two years ago. He wasn't even being recruited and we're, we're punishing this kid. If he had gone to Duke, if he had gone to Kansas, I don't think this happens. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very certain. <laughs> I'm very certain Florida State. So like, I'm very certain they self-reported this because they wanted to get out in front of it. And he still gets hit with what the NCAA wanted in a full season suspension, suspension got it down to 16. Bill okay. Self, Bill yeah. Self just got four games. From a wiretap from four years ago. <laughs> it's taken the NCAA this long for Kansas to self-impose a four-game four suspension. And it I mean, took them two months to decide this Spanish kid that is really, really talented and is likely going to be a first-round pick to go, oh, yeah, he can't play. What the hell are we doing? Honestly. And, I, and another thing that just blows my mind about this is think about Baba Miller. This is a guy who's from overseas. He's not from the United States. He doesn't grow up in the high school or the AAU programs. He doesn't know about, he probably doesn't really know about the NCAA and the type of rules that they have. He's playing overseas where there's less restrictions. I mean, you've got guys playing professional basketball, you know, over there at 15, 16, 17 years old. So, and, you know, we've talked about it, Austin. Whenever he learned of the violation, they instantly repaid the $3,000. But this this isn't just some kid from the States who might be a little bit familiar with what the NCAA actually is. Baba Miller could have legitimately had no idea that he was actually breaking a rule. And for Florida State to take such a hit when, like you mentioned, Kansas, there's an FBI, or at least there was an FBI investigation going on over there four games. I don't know if anything ever happened at LSU besides the coach sucking and losing his job despite spending a, a ton of money on, on talented players. So it's it's clear that college basketball is corrupt, but the NCAA is throwing shots at the wrong people. The NCAA, just the organization itself, not college athletics as a whole, the NCAA generated $1.16 billion of revenue last year. 
And they're losing their mind about a kid two years ago getting their flights paid, and then he had paid it back for, for $3,000. They're mad over – it's like six decimal plates if you want to do the percentage. <laughs> it makes zero, zero, zero sense. And everyone that we've talked to around the situation has said the same thing. It is bullshit. It shouldn't have happened. I I already hated Stan Wilcox. This isn't helping. Um. I, I didn't like him when I worked with the team and I, I, I hate him even more now. Like this is un this is ridiculous. I cannot believe this. Like the, the news broke. Someone texted it to me. And I'm like, seriously, he got, he got 16 suspended 16 games for a plane ticket. And then you find out even more things like Florida state self-reported it. Try and get in front of it. You learn things like the NCAA wanted it for the entire season. I cannot fathom it. Especially after the Wiseman thing, which everyone agreed he should have been suspended for that. You know, that's for sure recruiting violations, especially because at the time, you know, Penny's Winston Memphis was a Memphis booster. I think he gave over a million dollars to the university university before he became a coach. Mm-hmm. That is for sure an impermissible benefit. This is a plane ticket, probably by some agent in Europe. I mean, we no one knows where it came from yet, but it wasn't any of the coaches or anybody in the U.S. This, this was Bob Miller wanting to get exposure in the United States. The NCAA is like, nah, we don't want you. If I'm an international player that is as talented as Bob Miller is, why would I go to the NCAA now? After, after what we've just seen, and there's so many great options now. You could, go, you could go to the NBA G League. You could go to the new Overtime Elite program you could go to australia's nbl which is what lamella ball did you could just stay with real madrid which is where he came from mm-hmm. why why would i want to go to this corrupt organization despite them having the exposure of being right in front of all these nba teams when it's not the best situation for them it makes no sense it, it makes no sense for the ncw to do this when you're losing out on such a talented player and probably talented play, players in the future and it just sucks for the kid because honestly, he didn't even really know that he was going to play college basketball until right around whenever he signed with Florida State. I mean, it was kind of like, I don't want to say split second, but it wasn't something that was known for a large amount of time. So it, it makes, yeah, sense. That... makes sense. He wouldn't have a large background on, on what the NCAA is and, and what they enforce. But then at the same time, we're crucifying a kid for half the season over $3,000 when we're, we already know what's happening behind the table, but even on in front of the table now, kids are getting paid $500,000 or, or even more in the NIL stuff. So, and, I mean, and, yeah, people are getting Lamborghinis and we're worried about a plane. Team. And, it's, <laughs> and it's out, it's out there and it's public. And now this kid who came over here from overseas, a, a guy who's projected as a lottery pick by a lot of draft analysts, half of his season to showcase himself and his talents, which is what he wanted to do. He came to college basketball to get more eyes on him, to improve his game as well, but then to also improve his draft stock for a potential lead to the NBA after this year. Now half of his opportunity is, is gone. You know, it's, I'm sure he's absolutely heartbroken and, and also angry that, that this took place. He's been super mature about it on social media. God bless him. I would have been, <laughs> I would have let him stuff fly that should not have been flying. Um, <laughs> that's saying something just, from VZ. It, it 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 sucks. It really does suck. And at this point, like Florida State, what can you do? You know, 
if you play them, then, you know, Coach Hamilton's getting suspended. You're not playing in the tournament, which, you know, that's where all the money is in college basketball. It's you make the tournament at the end of the year, you're getting millions and millions of dollars, which is why so many coaches want to see it expanded because that, you know, larges, mm-hmm. enlarges the pool for every school. You know, everyone wants them to play them. It's not going to happen. You know, as much as we all want to see it, it's not going to happen. They could take this to court, but is it going to happen fast enough to where it even matters? You know, you know, 16 games is two months. Yeah. You know, is the court isn't going to move that fast? It's not. It's just not. If it was one of those where, you know, he he could, if this had come out four months ago, then maybe you have a chance. But we're, the season literally starts in four days, five days. There's no chance, even if you go through the legal system. But we know Florida State's going to keep on fighting this. We've, we've been hearing that. And, and they should because it's completely unfair. And for an organization that says they uphold fairness and and upholding the student athlete and making sure they have the best education and college environment around them, what the hell is this? That's ridiculous. There's a question here from Michael asking, uh, will Baba stay one more year or is he a one and done? If I'm him, I getting the hell out of Dodge yeah. as fast as I can. I was like, going to say, go away. back to Spain yeah, right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, get me away from the NCAA. And he, he's talented enough to where, you know, it. I'm sure he still will over his last 15 games in the Florida State uniform plus, you know, ACC tournament and maybe potentially NCAA tournament. We'll see. Um, he's talented enough where he's going to get drafted off of those 16 games. You know, at 6'11", with his skill set, his ability to handle the ball, he had three threes in the exhibition game last mm-hmm. week. You know, I, I think it was Florida State. Florida State definitely had an idea when they had him go out and score the first points. They kind of had a feeling of what was coming. Um, just sucks, man. Absolutely sucks for him, for the team. You know, yeah. you already lose Jalen Ganey to an ACL injury. Now you lose another front court member in Papa Miller, who's just this absolute versatile weapon that can do literally anything on the basketball floor. Just Which, sucks. So sixteen games. What? game is that wake forest it's at wake forest january 11th i believe it is which for for a kid to get reinstated into a lineup in you know the heart of acc country tough game to come back in Mm -mm -mm. ridiculous ridiculous situation i hate you look at some of the games he's missing home against florida home against purdue the espn invitational at duke at virginia i mean those are really big games that florida state's going to need to win and Gonna have to find a way to do it without him, I guess. Yep, they definitely will. Well, hey, we'll clip that part there, VZ. We'll put that up on YouTube, and I think a lot of FSU fans will agree, along with just any kind of college basketball or anybody with a common sense would probably agree with it, except for the NCAA there and whatever they decide to do. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I've never seen anything Stan like it. Wilcox. <laughs> yeah, no, maybe a few behind that. Uh, but yeah, I think that's going to wrap up the show unless you guys have anything else for the night. Well, I guess we should, I mean, season starts Monday. Yeah. yeah season starts against Monday. Stetson. Uh, I believe it's seven o'clock, probably ACC network or some other irrelevant channel. Um, Florida state should win. I'm not going to do too big of a preview. If you know me, I know I like my lengthy previews. It won't be too long on this one. I'll save Dustin some editing time. <laughs> I guess last thing for me, I forgot to bring it up earlier, but seven days ago, almost directly after we got off this podcast, Florida State landed a commitment 2025 wide receiver, D.L. Hardison, uh, the first commitment for Florida State. 
in Tribe 25. And this is a guy Florida State offered earlier in the year, and he actually grew up a Florida State fan, has been producing for um, – and, and Florida's 6A classification so far as a freshman and sophomore and a lot of potential there for – him to develop into something special over these next couple of years in high school. My dog is coughing, but um, a, a really speedy slot receiver says he's listed at five nine. Says he's up to five ten or five eleven so far, and, and a lot to like there for Florida State. So good for Florida State. You know, we we know this coaching staff. Not only do they focus on the present and recruiting, but they've got that reach out into the future. You know, Tribe Twenty Four coming along really nicely, sitting at number two in the country already and then to go ahead and get someone in 2025 for the Seminoles like a lot of a nice pickup and good to kick off that class yep Mike Norvell and that staff do like looking ahead so like you said they got talented one in that 2024 class so they can hold on to it but that's going to wrap up the podcast for this evening appreciate everybody hanging out here with us also shout out to Jakai Douglas for coming yep. on here and spinning a lot of time with us during his busy, crazy, hectic schedule on a big rivalry week. So a great interview with him. If you guys are late to the show, make sure you guys get to the very beginning of the episode. Jakai was awesome. So make sure you guys go listen to that interview. As always, you can listen to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube. Hit that like button before you head out of here. If you're on iTunes, subscribe so then you get notified every time we release a new episode. Florida State takes on the Miami Hurricanes rivalry matchup. Primetime. 7.30. Mangerville, excited to get down to Coral Gables. We'll see what ends up happening. Appreciate everybody. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you guys during our instant reaction on Saturday night. Peace. Free Baba. Same color t-shirt Mama told me uh, Not to sell work